Hello, and welcome to Boss Talks, a weekly podcast where we chat with the bosses of the multifamily industry. Who are these bosses? They might be a manager of many, a leader with no title, or just passionate about what they do. Join our host, Evan Happel, Director of Marketing at Community Boss, as he talks with this week's guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is a special day for Boss Talks. It's the last episode of the year of 2023. Today... It's episode 71. We have a great guest, Betsy Kirkpatrick. She is going to be a lot of fun. She's been in the industry for over 13 years with BG Multifamily. They recently changed her name, BGSF. And she's been at that company for over 10 years, which is a long time as a supplier. She's very much a advocate when it comes to government affairs and everything multifamily in general. Can't wait to have her. But before we bring her to the show, I'm Evan Happel, your host. This is Boss Talks. I'm with Community Boss. We have a great solution for you when it comes to multifamily software, managing all your physical spaces, whether that's your parking, your amenities, or mapping. We got you covered. We can even generate some revenue for you, bring value to your community, and a great resident experience. So if you have any questions, obviously, Come to me, talk to me, I can answer them all. But today, this is about Betsy, so let's bring her to the show. I am a Christmas tree. This yes. is one of several Christmas tree outfits that I own, which if you know me, that it doesn't seem weird. <laughs> I, and we'll get into that because I only know you a little bit. We did yeah. become friends on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So I'm becoming enamored by something you do quite frequently, which is you like to post stories on Facebook and provide laughter to all through memes. (laughs) I must say you find some really funny ones. It does bring joy to me. In 2020, in the middle of the Panini, the Panorama, whatever you want to call it. This is actually a onesie, by the way, McKenna, is it's a whole outfit. So just so you know, and it's from Tipsy Elves, in case you wanted to go purchase that yourself, a little shout out. So I was in the middle of that, and this was back when the first Love is Blind came out and Tiger King, if you recall Tiger King. And so I just found a few memes that went along with that that made me giggle, and it was so topical at the time, and I started sharing them to my story. And people were like, this is the best thing. It is just getting me through my day. And I was like, okay. So then I just started sharing other memes because I was like, we're all dying over here, like sitting in our house with nothing better to do. So I started sharing other memes and now it's been almost four years and I really cannot stop because I, first of all, I, I follow so many meme accounts to share their memes. It's not even funny. That's 90% of my Instagram. I feel like at this point, but it's good. And it makes people smile. And that's really all I care about is I think that's generally, if people know me in general, one of my biggest things is I just want to make other people like have a better day and smile. So that's a big, that's one of the big ways, I think. Because you're affectionately known as the shenaniganator. One who instigates shenanigans. That is true. Very much. You were talking about going out in public with your hat. I will, in, in the month of December, I will wear holiday themed attire pretty much all the time at some point when I go out. So like I had lunch the other day with a former NAA chairperson, a female, and I was wearing a shirt that said Merry and Bright and it had all different colors on it. And then I had a headpiece with Christmas trees and then like these Christmas tree earrings on. And she was like to the nines, beautiful silk scarf, like all these things. And when I walked in, she's like, oh, hey, you look festive and gave me a hug because it's just known that's what I do at this point. Like it wasn't even like, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) oh, wow. (laughs) It would be weird if I showed up normal, probably. (laughs) And when I do this, my my star moves. So that's fun for me. That's good. No, Mm -hmm. I actually had a sweatshirt that was very similar. Although yours Mm -hmm. looks way more comfy and has a lot more 3D 3D effect Mm -hmm. with like sequence and stuff. And it looked the same-ish. But I give you a 10 out of 10 versus mine. Oh. mine. Mine was probably a 7 out of 10. I love As an Enneagram 3, we love to win. We do love to win things. Oh, you're so. a 3. Okay. I'm a 5. I'm a, I, so if you know what a 5 is, there's a lot there. First of all, what am I doing? Because 
Fives don't do this. Okay. Why is an Enneagram five hosting a podcast? What? But you know what? You do or a five. For those of you who don't know the Enneagram, I highly recommend it. I think it's a really good tool to get to know yourself and others better. So, like in your case, you like to know a lot about a lot of different things. There you so go. maybe that's what the podcast is for, right? Yeah. I'm um, learning. Yep. Yeah. 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 I could see it. Yeah. But and outside I mean, your comfort zone a little bit. Fives tend to not be very like social people. I want to go hunker down in a box and like invent something. Yeah, but you're in a box. You're like in your studio. Okay. So really, it's all right. I feel like I can vibe with this. All right. Yeah. But that flies in the face of the fact that I used to run an organization that did events and met people. Like also I a mean, valid point. I don't know how you did that. <laughs> and I've been a sales. I, really I do marketing. I don't even know. I don't know who I am. What is going on? <laughs> Anyways, moving on. This isn't about me. Look it up. Five. You'll be so confused. Any of you five, you don't understand what that is. Go look it up and you'll be like, I don't get it. Three, but with a two wing, which means I love one of my biggest things with the two wing is it adds in an element of caring for other people. And this actually ties in with what we're talking about. Because one of my favorite things to do is to, as I am moving forward and rising in the, I love identifying other people that are also trying to get down that path, helping them determine what it is that they love and are passionate about. And then seeing them succeed is that's it for me. That's one of my very favorite things in the universe to do is just to help someone else get where they want to be. That kind of segues into my three questions. I always ask when it comes to building community, is that your way? Mm -hmm. Would you say? Yes. Okay. On my LinkedIn, one of the first things it says is connector of people. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me is I'll meet a person. And one of the first things that I want to find out once I've met them and is like, how can I help them get where they want to go? What is it that they are looking to do? Who do they need to meet? Who would be a good person for this person to meet or who needs to meet them and try to mesh them that way. That's one of my biggest things. Nice. And yeah. So you're the you're the connector. You're the one that brings the group together. Yeah, uh, a little bit of a cruise director. Yeah, I, I would agree with director. that. All right. Maybe that's the job you take on after you retire from multifamily. Cruise. Yeah, there we go. Everybody on the Lido deck. There you go. All right. Thanks for answering. And then next question: When it comes to hospitality, having mm-hmm. people over, it's the holidays. Are you mm-hmm. a host? Or are you a, a tender? First of all. I'm a big hundo. I will have people to my house. Do not get me wrong. That is very stressful for me. Mm-hmm. I generally prefer to host something elsewhere. Go to a brewery or a location. Or if I go, like my, I sing at my church and the creative team is having an event and I'm helping them run a couple of their games and stuff like that. So those, that is generally my preference. It's doing stuff like that versus having them to my house. I have done that. But then you're always like, did I do everything? Is everything mm. up to par? Do you want to do everything like that? That's a that's another Enneagram for thing. You want everything to look and be like perfect. And if it doesn't go perfect, I can be a little about it. Got it. All right. So if you were to host someone and you were thinking this is a special event, could be one person. So we don't want to get crazy with too much of it. But what would you make for them as a meal to really show the how special they are. Marcy French came into town one time and she, I had my kids. And so she was like, Hey, I'll just come to your house. And I was like, cool blog, bro, let's do it. And I made what I like to call the pasta, which is a, yeah, the pasta. It's well known in my family as one of the meals that we all like the best. So it's like bow tie pasta with ground sausage, little like spicy sausage and then spinach, white cannellini beans and diced tomatoes. It's really good. Very easy to make. It's good. Yeah. Into that. Nice. Okay. That would be. And then with your third and final question, if maybe you don't, but if you were to partake in a caffeinated beverage, what is your go-to? It started out as a coffee question, but don't have a lot of coffee people. It's kind of 50-50. 
So what are you going for? Celsius. Celsius. Are you an influencer? Is that? Oh, God, no, I'm not an influencer. My friend Dana, (laughs) she's an influencer. Like she legitimately is an influencer influencer. She's on TikTok and she's got hundreds of thousands of followers and it's ridiculous. However, she kills it. I am not that person, but I just enjoy it. It is delicious. And it also like, I think it, I feel better when I drink that because there's not like a crap ton of sugar versus a coffee or something else. So yeah, that's my preference. Big Celsius Goral. Nice. All right. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. All right. I stole my daughter's Stanley Cup. Oh, Stanley Cups. Yes. I those are it. a thing. Mm-hmm. So those are from Seattle. Hey. Yes. Stanley. Yeah. Anyways, thank you so much for answering my questions. And okay. now it's time for the Betsy show. It's always the Betsy show. Let's just be okay. real. But today it's all about you being the boss of the show. Okay. I, I want you to fully embrace your bossness. Elevate the boss status going into okay. 2024. This is, this is your way of entering as a full-on boss. Okay. Okay. I All love right. that. Beautiful. Mm, I don't yes. know that you want to give reins over to me. I think that's probably a really terrible idea. But when yeah. I found out I was chairing an NAA committee this year, I was like, oh, they probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, buddy. But one, some of the things that you mentioned being very passionate about are first of all, finding people to be the next gen leaders within our industry. So what is it that you're passionate about regarding that? BG, your staffing company, trying to find people for others. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what, how, how do you apply that first to your job and why is it that is a passion of yours? So uh, I think when I first came over to the supplier side with BG um, back in 2014 and When I first came over, I don't think I really knew. I just started doing stuff with my association the year before when I was still on site. And I I didn't really know what this industry was going to be like. You just, I don't think you know what the craziness of it until you get into it. And then you're like, oh, this is much larger than I would have ever expected in my life. But one of the things that I began to really love is really finding people at when I was the director um, of Charlotte finding people that were just like perfect for roles and helping to plug them in and get them moving up in their respective companies. I love that. And then I did the same thing at the association where as I started to move forward in the association, when people would come in and they'd be like, how do I get involved in this? Or how do I get involved in that? And this started with their, the former association executive in Charlotte, his name was Ken Zemanski and he retired after 40 years (laughs) as the association executive, which is crazy town. He's still amazing. I still hear from him every so often. And he basically looked at me one day and he said, Betsy, I want you to do this. And I think you would be good here. And he poured into me after that and helped me learn how to do what I was doing. And then there were other leaders that kind of came alongside me that helped me know what what to do as a supplier, how to run a committee, the things about the industry that are intangibles that you learn along the way. And I just wanted really to do the same thing that he had done with me with others. I also applied that in my job because I moved, I was an account manager and then a director, and then I moved to regional, and then I moved into national roles. And as I would bring people on, hire people in the company, one of the things that I loved the most was seeing them move up and forward into leadership of the company and like coming into their gifts. Some of the people that I have hired over the years have been the longest tenured people that we have the company now, aside from myself and a few of the other senior leaders. So that is something that I love to see. And I take great pride in in seeing the people that I brought into the company blossoming and moving forward. And then as I've moved into the state and the national, I've been basically doing the same thing on each level is trying to find those people, helping them like determine where their passion lies and working with the association and then plugging them in, getting them some assistance where they need it. Nice. And then you, the second part of that is you really desire to increase their voices and giving them Mm -hmm. a seat at the table as well. So what are some ways you're going about that? So there's a couple of things. One, I'll just be real with you. 
as I am not young, okay? <laughs> I'm 41, so I'm definitely not yet a next gen at this point. But one of the things that I've noticed is, just to give you an example, when I first started with NAA doing things, the vast majority of people that I saw at NAA on committees moving and the voices that were being heard were, gosh, basically all well older than me. And I'm, I was thinking to myself at the time, I'm like, how is this representing the majority of the people that are working in this industry that are in their 20s, 30s, early 40s? And not that they don't have wisdom, not that their voice shouldn't be heard because we have all everybody working in this industry. But at the time, it was very much if you're not this specific level, you can't be on a committee, you can't do any of that other stuff. So moving into that space and starting to like be an advocate for those people. And I'll just be frank. One of the reasons I was like, Hey, maybe you don't want me to be a chair of this committee is because I, regardless of what I think other people are going to think about it, if I think something's right. And if I think that something needs to be said, I'm going to say it, <laughs> I'm going to say, it. I'm going to say it as tactfully and respectfully as humanly possible, but I'm probably going to say it. And it's an important thing that we represent all ages and all other types of diversity in this industry. And the only way to do that is to make sure that we have the that younger end of the spectrum as well represented. Or even, and when I say next gen, it doesn't have to be younger. It can just be people that are new to the industry. I will give you a, a little example. We are, one of the things that we worked on last year when I was vice chair is changing the, and Ronald Harrington was a, a giant part of this but changing the age requirement for 20 in their 20s for next year to be 20 on the rise. So it can be anybody that's 10 years or under in the industry coming in and being a part of it. And that was because we want to hear the voices of people that are new to the industry, that are you know bringing in that new perspective. So that's awesome. one way. Awesome. You might hear my cat scrabbling around over there. So if you do, I apologize. They're running a marathon. They always do it. Oh, cats. I just got a cat this summer. It adopted us. Oh, the cat distribution system found you. Okay, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. our back door. That's the way yeah. it works. That's we weren't even feeding him. He just kept coming back and we're like, I guess he picked us. Is he nice? Do your kids like him? Yeah, he's mostly nice. Okay. He's a cat, so he's moody. That is true. They and are almost always. He does what he wants and sits on our keyboards and all the things that cats do. <laughs> that's very much the case. He's 100% a cat. Which, he's great. The kids love him. We never had a pet before as a family, so it's been nice. I have two cats and two dogs, and that's too many. But we are where we are. And you have humans, too. And I have humans. It's a struggle. Yeah, yeah. That's okay, though. We just continue on. Was there anything else regarding the next-gen topic, things that you would recommend to other people in what you've seen to be successful ways in order to find people and elevate them? Because I'm sure people would love to know that. So I have, I started off in my local next gen. We used to call it YAPS, Young Apartment Professionals. I did not come up with that name. We changed it, thank God. But it was the same thing as the next gen committee. And then I was on that, but never chaired it. And then when I went to my state, I was vice chair, you do vice chair there for two years and then you do chair for two years. Um, and one of the biggest things that I will say to people is just find a place and get involved, whatever that is. Especially if you're looking to move forward in the association and elevate into the industry in other ways, not just at your company. But I will say this is probably works for both, but finding ways to get involved. And that also is what is your passion? So I'll give you an example. when. When Dana first started with BG years ago, Dana is a regional now. She was the Charlotte director previously. And we started talking about what she was going to do and how she was going to get involved. And I said, what interests you? And she's, I just really love teaching people and helping them to do better in that. And I was like, okay, so then here are some ways, like they have an education committee and education foundation type situation. We have what like other things that you can do as far as like getting a certification locally so that you can train. And then she has run with that. So she trains locally all the time. She also works with the access program that goes into the high schools. And then a few years ago, I mentioned to her, I was like, I 
this was pre-2020, I think. Maybe it was right after 2020. Anyway, I said, you should start speaking. And she, like, and on a national level, you need to put yourself out there because you're so good as a trainer. And she was like, eh, I, don't, I don't know. And so I had been asked to submit something for something in Birmingham and I was not able to do it. And I was like, Dana, you should put in for it. And I asked them if they would be willing. I was like, what, what about Dana? She's got X, Y, Z. And they said, yes. And she has just taken off. She speaks pretty regularly now at various associations and things like that and is just doing a great job. So really it's, I think the biggest thing is finding that area of expertise and passion within somebody and then helping to feed that and give them ways to express it. And that could work in your company and it can work outside of your company. One of the things that I will say BG has done really well for me is they tend to find things that they know I'm naturally gifted in and that I enjoy. And that if you're naturally gifted and you enjoy it, you're so much more likely to be successful at that thing. And then they help to build at least somewhat of my job description around mm -hmm. that so that I'm getting fulfilled while I am working and not just let me punch in the thing. You know what I'm saying? And that could work for anybody. I think when I was on site, I had a fairly large team because I had a decent sized community and I cross-trained all of the leasing people on how to do various parts of the job. So marketing, assistant manager, all that other kind of stuff and would discover like, where is your bent? Where do you enjoy? Where do you, where are you succeeding? Where are you excelling? And then started really in areas of opportunity, shoring them up a little bit, but then in areas where they really shined, I would give them a little bit more leeway to take that on as just like their thing, if that makes sense. Nice. No, that's mm -hmm. great. Yeah. Obviously for yourself and others, if we're in a place and in a position and utilizing our skills and our abilities to the full extent, I think that's fantastic. I think sometimes we make the mistake of hiring people and we hire them for a job and then we stop paying attention to what they're also good at. Oh yeah. Which doesn't yep. make sense. You should pay attention to a few things, pay attention to their background. What have they done? What have they learned? And then as they work for you, what do they naturally gravitate towards? Yep. And what are they naturally good at? And I think a lot of people don't do that because it's harder. I just to be frank, it's harder to look at each of your employees and be like, okay, let's hone in on what this employee does and does well, or this person, maybe it's not an employee, maybe it's just, what do they do and do well? And then feeding into that and giving them that it you'll get a better result, but it's easier to be like, okay, your job is leasing. These are the things that you do instead of saying you're amazing at outreach marketing. So I'm going to let that be like your main thing. And we're going to let another person who really loves the paperwork, take on this paperwork so that you two can work together to do things that you enjoy and you're good at, and we'll bring the most money to you guys as a whole. Yeah. You don't see that as much. Yeah. People just like hire for Yeah. Yeah. This wasn't in my job description, just so everybody knows. And I think that's the other thing is like, sometimes we're so strict in like, this is the job description and you can only do these things. Why? Why does it have to be that way? Why can't we change the job description once we've gotten to know our employee? This is the basic, but then we can add in ABCDFG to allow this person to really excel and grow and love what they do. I think that's vital and we i don't see a lot of people doing that and i wish more would and you can tell the companies that do it because people don't leave right totally mm -hmm. thanks for sharing about that i think it's an important mm -hmm. thing to consider when we have employees and when we're really trying to find good talent let's not put people in the wrong peg hole so to speak square right. peg round hole exactly that's <laughs> Hired them. Yeah, they're doing it adequately, the job. They're doing great. But what could they be doing? Yeah, what where, what could they be changing? And what could they bring to the mix? I'll be real. I'm generally quite weird. Okay, so I'm aware about this. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I know this about myself. And I have been allowed, and even at my last company when I was on site, to lean into those areas of weirdness that I find to be really a strength. Like people react to that genuine that you bring to the table when you're leaning into your strengths. And 
it will be the same for your employees. People can tell when you're forcing yourself to do a thing, but when you're doing it because you genuinely love it and it's a passion of yours, then they can tell and they'll react to that and that trueness that comes out. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I can tell if you're serious because you're like, totally. I can't tell if you're being serious. (laughs) No, embrace the weird. I mean, I... I used to, in the job I used to have, I loved aspects of it, but I now where I am now, like I'm realizing how much, how serious I was taking everything. Mm-hmm. And like now, obviously not taking it very seriously. No, I it's just, but I'm just like, no, let's have fun. You're 41. I'm turning 40. Should I not enjoy what I'm doing? I, I could just hate my life and go to work wants that and your employee it doesn't matter what company you're with if your employee hates their life all day they're not going to do well and they're not going to produce and they won't stay getting to that point where people can lean into what is your passion zone i think is what dr debbie calls it that when you can lean into that it's just so much better for everybody for everyone yeah i'm continuing to move the star around it's okay i have what I like to call cheek biceps. So a lot of people will like, oh, you've got big cheeks. And I was like, this is muscle. It's because I smile a lot. Huh? Are you going to use that now? Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. You have, you, have a, you have a star. And I, I notice like whenever I move, this thing like flails around. So <laughs> when I'm out in public, it definitely does that. And I'm like, oh, is this what it's like having a ponytail? I'll never know. So this is Listen, I love when you get a good swish on a ponytail. <laughs> if you get your ponytail well and you're moving it, it's that's, that is key. That is a good one. When you can get that really solid swish going on. Mm-hmm. We're talking about serious matters here, people. We're Very changing serious. the world. One ponytail swish at a time. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. All right. No, I, and I'm sorry. If my face doesn't articulate the joy I'm having, I'm sorry. Is that the Enneagram 5 in you? I think it is. Probably is. It's all internal. That's the problem. Yeah. My problem is that I exude Teletubby Sun all day, every day with my family. <laughs> Y'all, please go look this up because that is very much, it doesn't, my daughter will, if I'm frustrated or with my oldest, she'll be like, but there's still a dimple. Hate it. Oh, Hate it so much. That's hilarious. Always there. Yeah. I think I struggle with a little bit RBF. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I tend to project things that I don't know I'm projecting. And I'm like, I'm not mad though. <laughs> I am a resting, tell me your life story face. Okay. Just so you know. So for me, like I'll be traveling and or whatever, or I'll just be in line at a store and someone will tell me anything and everything about their life. It's, I don't know what it is. It's the cheek biceps, I think, part of it. And people are just like, let me tell you everything. And I hear too much. Complete strangers, complete strangers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why you went into property management. An yeah. And be a to be you are literally stuck in an office and you're a captive audience and mm-hmm. we're coming for you. Exactly. <laughs> nope, you're going to hear my life story. Yes. Everything about it, especially when I was on site, people would come in, they would tell me everything about everything. And listen, I love to hear that, but I still need you to pay your rent, ma'am, sir. I'm going to need you to do that. Love now, you. Now that we heard your story, rent still. <laughs> now let's hear okay. your bank account number. Thanks. <laughs> True story. That's good. Okay. All right. And then next thing, passionate. Not really something I think most people would go, oh, yeah. Person who's a shenanigan. <laughs> she professes to be weird. Also speaking her mind. Is someone who <laughs> likes to jump into things like politics and advocacy. Yeah. Like how Fair did enough. that happen? I'll tell you, I was home educated and I was home educated back when it was not popular. It was actually not legal when we started. Is that and why you're weird? I'm just kidding. Maybe, but. maybe. So when we started, we actually would go, they used to, at that time, they thought that every homeschool family just wanted their kids to stay home and clean and get them a beer from the fridge kind of thing. I swear to God, it was a whole thing. And so my dad would take us to Raleigh to like lobby in our, my family used to travel and sing together. And so we did be in our like matching singing attire and we'd sing for them. Yeah. Like the Von Trapps, we were the Von Whites. Not really, but yes, exactly like that. 
no, no instruments, just our voices. Yeah. And so we would go and we would sing for these people and they'd be like, oh my God, they're so cute. They're, homeschooling is wonderful. And so we were one of the reasons that homeschooling became legal. And then a couple of years later, we were on a singing trip and we went to DC and my dad took me to Congress and we were walking, well, all of us were walking around and our Senator at the time was Jesse Helms, Senator Jesse Helms. And we managed to run into him somewhere. I don't in a hallway. And he, became enamored with the family, took us down the senator's only elevator and then skipped down the hall holding my hand. Swear to God, I was like six years old at the time. Jesse was not young. Yes. And so we became friends with him and his wife and they would send us Christmas cards. My mom would send them homemade Afghans and stuff like that for a long time. And until I think he around not long before he left office. And then my dad would also have me, like I did phone banking at an early age for local and stuff like that. So I have been fairly involved from a young age. I didn't for several years. And then when I got into the industry and started like getting onto like the government affairs committees and the things of that, like that, I became very passionate about that because one of the things that I learned when I was young is I elected these people. They need to talk to me and they need to hear my voice. They are no better than I am. They are just a person. And so a lot of people are like really stressed out about having a conversation with a senator or a legislator of any type. And I'm like, why? Why are we concerned with this? This is a person. Mm -hmm. I babysat this guy's kids growing up. Not a joke. One of the senators in North Carolina, I babysat his children for years. And another one was a homeschool. Like you probably know some of these people if you've lived in this area for any period of time. But regardless, and a lot of people feel like you have to be so knowledgeable about everything. And so one of the things that I started doing, and again, this was a Ken thing. We went, I went one year to the local lobby day. And then the next year he's, you're leading a team with this person. I'm like, pardon? I'm doing what? You said what? And so he just pushed it. He would just, I'm going to make you do it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So he volunteered me to do a lot of things. And now I love volunteering others to do those things. So what I will do is I lead a team pretty much every year, statewide and nationally. And I will learn that whatever our primary key issues are going to be. And I'll sit down with a group, especially locally. I get a lot of newbies locally or in the state one. And I love that. And I'll be like, Let's talk about this and you tell me how this would affect you. And they'll give me some instances about how rent control could potentially affect them or how the eviction moratorium could affect them or whatever the situation might be. And I'd be like, I just need that story. That's all I need. I don't need to know everything. I just need some stories of how this is truly affecting you and how it could potentially affect you. Source of income, like any of those things. We should be able to sit down and have conversations and use what it is that I'm like, I just need you to talk about one issue and give me a story on one issue. You don't need to talk about all of them. And then we figure out who's going to talk about what kind of the order of what it's going to go in. And then people go in and they feel more confident. I had my next gen co-chair, Shane Raby, who is now the chair and I love him to death. We are C as we like to be called. And he, he came on my team one year. And then next year he led his own team and he has been killing it ever since. And I love seeing that. And then it's the same thing nationally, like building relationships with those people. Some of them, like I can just message and be like, Hey, I need to talk to you about this or whatever the situation might be because they, they're aides, they're all people. And the more you treat them like that, the more like it likely they're going to like want to have conversations with you. And these are our jobs. This is our industry. This is what pays us. Right. It affects not just us, but all the people that live on our sites as well. So all of our residents are affected. If we're, if our money has to go up and up because of legislation, rent is going to go up and up. So if you want affordability of housing, then we need to decrease this other side so that of the extreme legislations, the city council putting restrictions on, on building and all of that kind of stuff, all of that is important. Um, right. And this year I was actually sworn in as the president of the Rental Housing Alliance PAC locally, which is my local PAC. I'm very excited about that. Local is every bit as important as uh, state and national. 
And then I think 2021, I won Advocate of the Year for NAA. So that was definitely a highlight in my life. And one of the reasons I think that I did is because of that citizen advocacy, like your voice matters, your stories matter, and they should listen. No, that was a lot. No, that's good. No, and it's something that we need to probably keep talking about because I think it's something that so many people are like either indifferent about or Mm -hmm. afraid of or Mm -hmm. intimidated by. And it's, oh, I don't understand politics or I don't get government or I, and it's, that might be true. You may not understand, but one of the greatest things about our country is that we can be involved. And if we're not, then we're leaving it to others to make the decisions. Yep. And I don't, I'm, whenever people are like, oh, I can't believe they did this. NAA gives us very easy ways to be involved. One, they'll send out an email typically that has a, hey, here's an issue that we need immediate assistance on. And you can literally click on a button, fill in where you're located, and it will send an email to your legislators. Boom. Boom goes the dynamite. All done. You know, it takes five minutes maybe. And they fill out the email and everything. You can change it. I typically do. But you can leave it as it is and they're going to get it. We are an industry of hundreds of thousands of people. And we are not experiencing the weight of what our industry should be bringing to the table because we're not having as many people be involved as we need. We need everybody. Yeah, I think... We need to, in general, there's a neat graphic that goes around that NAA puts together that has a dollar bill and like how much much of your dollars go to this, that, and the other, and like of rent, what's going to the owner versus going to taxes or whatever, right? Like all the different ways that money gets actually spent and what's profit, Mm -hmm. all the things. They also have a monthly webinar that they do that talks, that is amazing, that just talks about what are legislative issues that are happening right now, how can you be involved, and what's coming down the pike. If you're looking to just learn more about it, that's a great way to do it. Or locally, you have a government affairs director, most likely, either in your state or your local. And if you don't have a government affairs director, your association executive probably doesn't. You can have conversation. They will sit down and talk with you about it. I used to, there was my old association uh, government affairs director. It was a guy named Brian. And I would be like, Brian, explain this to me. And we would sit down and he would give me some ideas of, hey, here's what this is. Here's what it could potentially mean. Here's how it could affect people on site. That's all you need. It doesn't need to be any more than that. And Mm -hmm. that's something that is very important. Yep. Yeah. I think what you just described is something we probably need to do better about is trying to, for each, it's, it's like, it's marketing, right? For my company, we need to figure out who are the quote unquote per- personas, the people that we're selling to. Each person thinks a different way. They are digesting the information in a different way, whether that's an onsite person, a regional, a VP, whoever it is, right? What we tell them about our product is needs to be adjusted for each person. And so similarly, we need to do that when it comes to government stuff. Because somebody that's working on site, they're like, don't care, doesn't mean anything to me. Like, maybe not everybody, but probably most. (laughs) The way they're approaching it. Like, how does this affect me? Why should I be involved? I don't, I'm just collecting rent and whatever. I'm leasing apartments. This is actually something that my local association, Greater Charlotte Association, has done well with. Where we, and I don't know if we have some now, but in the past, we have created different kind of infographics that go for, if you're a developer, this is how this could affect you the most. If you are on site, this is how. If you're an owner, if you are a third-party management company, here are some ways that this could affect you. And creating those types of things is absolutely vital because... You're correct. A, a developer, the things that they're concerned about is going to be very different than what is going to be a person that's working on site. And it should be. And so we have to be really cautious about the type of conversations we're having and who they're with so we can tailor them the appropriate way. Yeah. I mm-hmm. see in the future, you're going to start Instagram and TikTok channel for NAA, specifically about government affairs, but you're going to relay the information in a playful and fun way. 
We've talked about doing a TikTok for today, but I'll tell you who needs to do it is Tyler Marker. He was a part of the 20 in their 20s this past year. And he, myself, and the, the government affairs director, Erica, for Virginia actually put in something to talk about this for NAA apartmental. We don't know if we've got it yet, fingers crossed. And, but Tyler is, and Erica both, are in the very young millennial Gen Z timeframe. And they know how to, he actually has a TikTok for something that does really well. His company has, or not his company, his family runs like a farm that does bulls. Like they show bulls and they breed them. I, I don't know exactly how that works, but regardless, he's killing it. And so he's familiar with that. And I think would be the, an excellent face for that because again, I am getting it there in the age for the TikToks. People are like, what's this grandmother doing on here? God, let me tell you, if I am a grandmother anytime soon, I will die. Well, absolutely. I will say another thing that I find very fun though, is I am super weird and I am wacky, but then I will sit down and have a conversation about legislative advocacy and be just as serious as a heart attack. And I'll have these conversations with senators and with legislators and be just as serious as I can be. I'll be smiling and fun and we'll enjoy it, but you're going to hear what I have to say. And one of the things that I find out that I tell people all the time is like, leadership does not have to look any one way. Like I don't need to be this buttoned up person all the time, or even most of the time mm -hmm. for me to be a leader and for my voice to be heard. And it doesn't have to be that for anybody else. You can do leadership in whatever way works the best for you. And you can be singing and being random and crazy on one side. And then on the other, having conversations with legislators about real issues that are affecting our industry on the other. And both can be true and both are valid. 100%. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. good. Thanks for sharing about that. And I look forward to seeing your moving into 2024, all the things that you do to get all us people who are just sitting on our couch doing nothing more involved. Now, it's something locally at my association affiliate of NAA, WUMFA, that we are talking about, Washington Multifamily Housing Association. Yeah. And I'm on the marketing committee and the supplier committee. And mm -hmm. we're we were approached by our government affairs people. We have two people now. Yeah, because we do. We have a lot, and I'm sure this is true of a lot of places, a lot of rent control. Legislation. Yeah, West Coast is the worst. Yeah. It's real tough, though, this topic, because people on the surface would probably assume that this is a really mm -hmm. good idea. Yep. Yes, let's make rent be no movement, right? Like same mm -hmm. price or whatever, however you want to like slice and dice it. And that's just not how it works. It, yeah. You can't, you can't build more. You can't improve what you have. You, yep. anyways. No, but adding to that, like when the eviction moratorium happened and people I had, I was posting about it on my Facebook page and people were like, would message me. I don't understand why this isn't a good idea. People are struggling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I had to sit down and have a conversation about what that really looked like. And, I, and all of the things that we were really worried about have come true. There are hundreds of thousands of dollars that are out there uncollected, maybe millions, truthfully from that time frame, from people who probably could have. And also unclaimed money all yeah. over the place because it was not easy to utilize the government's funds that they were providing. So it makes it like, I want people to be aware. It's not because we don't love and value our residents. It is because we love and value our residents that we are fighting these fights. We want them to have safe and habitable housing and non-slumlord type areas. We want them to have good, solid landlords that care about the the housing that they're providing and have, you know, solid people working at their communities. All those things are important to us and they need money in order to make that happen. And so you've got to be really cautious. Only way yeah. to, to get out of the affordable housing crisis is to build more housing. That's one of the ways, but you got to build more. It just is what right. it is for the Cause, peoples. Because you can look at places like New York who has rent control and it's been there forever nobody moves and then what happens is rent just goes crazy in the places where you can rent because mm -hmm. so then people just stay there because their rent's cheap whatever but then those units just stay at a time capsule of 
1970 or whatever. <laughs> Listen, I somehow got on the New York real estate side of TikTok where people follow, oh, here's this apartment here. And I am fascinated to see like this one, it was literally, it was a, like a closet. They It had a, a stove and like a tiny junior refrigerator and it was like less than the size of my dining room area. And it was like 3000 And I'm like, what is happening? I don't understand how it is that expensive. And it's because of all of that. And there are others that are at, like, there's some in New York specifically, it's like two grand and you have to share one bathroom for an entire hall full of people. Like you're in college. No, not it. Yeah. Not it, doesn't not me. Make, it doesn't even make sense yet. They got rent, rent control. <laughs> I would not be able to do it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. Dax said he doesn't think you can beat the tree sweater. Oh. And so guys, I just want you to know this is a whole, it's a whole outfit. So it's not just a sweater. It is a onesie. So I, I'll give it to you. And I already gave, I gave Betsy all the credit, but I am wearing more than just the Santa hat. I have my boss. Sloth. I have my boss bling. I'm wearing stay chillin' or stay chill, sorry. And if you go a little farther, there's Mr. Sloth. Okay. So that's probably the representation of my, my Enneagram five right there. Megan, I have so many, I have, a, I feel like you saw this on Facebook or Instagram. I have a, like a tree dress that you can wear that you put your arms through. Yeah. So that's a good one, but I've worn that several times. So I was like, I'm gonna do the onesie today. That's yeah. just in my closet. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Love it. All right. And then there was one more thing that you were interested in talking about. And my notes are gone. So you're going to have to lead the way. It was just that. I'm trying to remember what the other thing was. I really think it was just this. Make it up. Okay. I will say one thing. I, I was on a podcast a while ago with my friend Bill. It was a local podcast. And he called me literally the night before. And he's hey. I don't have anyone to do this podcast tomorrow. Can you just come on and talk at me for an hour? And I'm like, sure, we'll figure it out. And what we ended up talking about is just like how difficult it is to be a working parent right now. And just in general, it's so hard to try to be a parent, do all the job things that you need to do and participate in all the things that you need to do for your children, do all the doctors and orthodontists and all of the other things that you have to do. So it's a lot. It's so exhausting. It's so exhausting. And when you're the work from homer, everyone's, oh, you can take them because you're, you work from home. So you can just run them wherever it is. And I'm like, mm. yeah, I will say I am, I'm thankful for my company. We have a very flexible schedule policy. And so doing life, does get easier when you have that ability. People that don't have that, I don't understand. Okay. I don't understand how completely single parents do it. I that would too. literally die. Those people are absolute heroes. I, I think about not having or don't have a really strong support system. So I have like multiple grandparents around if I need assistance or whatever situation it might be. If you don't have that, that village that can help you when you need it, it's really hard. It's hard with it. So I can only imagine what it would be like without it. Yeah, 100%. All right. And to round things out, a couple okay. things. First okay. of all, when we had talked previously, mm -hmm. and even in your post leading up to this, you did mention that you randomly break out in song while speaking, and I'm a little disappointed. I did. I said, no, okay. I, I didn't all sing right. the whole song. I, it's more of like a sing-song word. Now, I do, if something reminds me of a song, then I will jump out into that specific song like my life is a musical kind of thing okay. so if something reminds me of a song then i will do that but the only thing earlier i almost did the accentuate the positive song came real close but it didn't 100 percent go with what we were doing so i was like eh, i'm gonna back off of it but yes i do randomly sing it's a long running joke that is a thing that i do okay and i'm sure it's enjoyable in all contexts especially when not expected it's expected. All right. <laughs> That's the problem now is it is always expected. But we'll be on a call and people will be like, hey, let's see, how long is it going to take for Beth? And they will time it to be like, how long is it going to take for her to sing something? And we made it 10 minutes before Betsy sang something. It's well known at this point. <laughs> All right. And then to round it out completely, 
I needed you to tell me your best dad joke. Maybe it's festive. Do you got anything for this festive time of year? I wish I would have known this before. And my best and favorite dad joke is not festive. It's probably, there's one of two. So it's either a three-legged dog walks into a bar and he said, I'm looking for the man who shot my paw. The series of what do you call a guy with no arms and no legs laying in front of your door? Matt. What do you call a guy with no arms and no legs on your wall? Art. What do you call a guy with no arms and no legs in the ocean? Bob. There's like a whole bunch of them. One oh no, under the leaves. Russell. That's funny. All right. So, yeah. Now these are all going to be ones I tell my kids later. So Enjoy that. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun and I enjoy doing the holiday insanity. Oh, yes. And I'm so glad you were the one to join me on this final episode of 20, the holiday cheer episode. Jolly, holly, jolly Christmas episode. Have holly, uh, jolly boss talks. There you go. There we go. You got a song. Hey. Beautiful. Maybe I'm going to now splice that and add it to the front. There you go. Good. It. Yes. All and right. everybody that joined, thank you, Megan, Dax. Thank you, Ronald. And all the people that were on Facebook that I couldn't see your names, I'm sorry. Thank you for participating and joining us. I do believe Bobby V was in the house, who was a guest last, literally, I think it was the same episode last year, Christmas time, Nice. Making an did appearance. Did he wear a onesie? I don't think so. He did not wear a onesie. <laughs> but if you don't know Bobby V, he is himself a character, a great guy, and tells lots of jokes, sings all the things you two should know Love each it. other. In fact, pretty sure he lives in your world. I think he lives Whoop. in Charlotte or something. Hey, I'm going to have to find him. Wow. This is funny that this is full circle. Same. Yes. Love Geographical that. region. Yeah. But just how Betsy jumped in, jumped into boss talks. You too can have an episode here on the show. I'm all about elevating bosses in the industry. And I don't mean bosses like you're bossy. I don't mean bosses like you boss. You're the boss of people, although you could be. I want people that are killing it. I want people that are have a great story to tell, that have great leadership lessons to share, that are just somebody that has a lot to offer this industry. And that doesn't mean you have a, a big title. Because you can, just like Betsy likes to elevate people into roles and give them opportunities, so do I. So I want you to have an opportunity here. Chuck All you right. on the chin. Yep. So, like I said, this has been Boss Talks, episode 71, the final one of 2023. We'll see you in the new year, first week of January. Don't miss it. Wednesday, 12 o'clock Pacific time. And make sure you go check... Right here, communityboss.com backslash manage like a boss. You will see the latest episode and all past episodes of Boss Talks. So check them out, listen, share, subscribe, all the words, and I'll see you in the new year. Thanks, everybody. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to like, share, and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also watch the podcast live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Community Boss LinkedIn or Facebook pages. Until next time, manage like a boss.